at me, you know. You just go. <laughs> I know some of you are a little shy to do it. Like, why in the world do you don't want to be lift up? <laughs> All right. Now it's time for our Bible study. If you could turn your Bibles to the book of Second Kings. And tonight we're going to have an introduction. So tonight is more like one of those nights, like if you're in college, you will appreciate it. You know, so it's like a college lesson. All right, I'm, I'm going to try not to be, um, put you to sleep, okay? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to make it interesting, okay? So we're going to do an overview of the whole book tonight. And next week, next Wednesday night, Lord willing, what we're going to do, we're going to go to Second Kings chapter 1. And we're going chapter by chapter until we get to the end of the book, like we just did on First Kings, okay? But if you look at, if you turn to Second Kings chapter 18... I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 19. Chapter 8, verse 19. 2 Kings 8, 19. And I'm going to read a few a verse here. Then we're going to jump to chapter 17. Okay? And we'll pray and we go to our lesson tonight. Look what it says. Yet the Lord will not destroy Judah for David his servant's sake, as he promised him to give him away, away a light, and to his children. Now go to 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 13 and 14. Okay? Look what it says in there. 2 Kings 17, 13. It says, Yet the Lord testified against Israel and Judah, and against Judah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not bear, no, they would not hear, I'm sorry, but hearken their, uh, harden, harden their necks like to the neck of their fathers that, they, that did not believe in the Lord their God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this book we're about to start. And Lord, it's a good book. There's a lot of lessons here we can apply to our lives. And Lord, help us as we go through it, as we journey through this book. Help us to dissect, in, dissect the book in a way that gives honor and glory to your name, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how many of you ever read through the book of 2 Kings? Okay, most of you did. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> I have to say this too because I read many times. So tonight we're going to start a journey through the book of Second Kings. So let me put it this way. A journey is not a marathon. A journey is a lifelong thing. You're going to journey all the way there. So we're going to do a journey through the book of Second Kings. So Pastor, how long are you going to take in the book of Second Kings? I don't know, five years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No. Well, I'm not in a hurry. When we get to the end, we get to the end. All right? If you have a question, we try to get the answer. If I don't have the answer, I will pray ask God to give me the answer. Okay? Because I'm not all-knowing. Okay? So, uh, so let's open our eyes and hearts tonight in our minds, of course, as we put our foot in this accelerator right here and take a journey through this book of uh, Second Kings. So, just going to give you a couple of things. Like I said, this is more like a college um, lesson. Uh, I don't want, I'm going to try not to be boring to you. If you're a student, you're going to like this, okay? Let's look at the practical application of the book. Uh, if you look at the book, you know, each book has a content, right? 
has meat in it, and we have to say what's, what's the application of the book. So first of all, is, is the practical application of this book. God hates sin, okay? And he will not allow to continue indefinitely. You know, even, so even in our world today, even people who are not saved, do not Christians, they think they can get away with whatever they do. But the truth is, God watches and God sees, because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are on every place, observing the evil and the good. So people are doing all these things they're doing in life, and they think nobody knows, God sees it. And when God is done with it, God says, okay, now I'm going to bring something to you so open your eyes. And sometimes things happen to people just for the purpose God uses that, so they can look up to Him. Many fail, but that's the purpose many times, because out of good... God can do something, out of bad, I'm sorry, God can do something good. Okay? So if we belong to Him, that means if we save, if we are His children, we can expect His discipline when we disobey Him. Alright? You say, well, God is a loving God. Yes. He loves us, that's why He disciplines us when we need it. You know, I remember my mom and dad used to discipline me when I was naughty or a bad boy. You know what? Not because they did that because they despised me. They did that to teach me a lesson. Right? So, God the same way. Our Heavenly Father, when we disobey, after the time He goes, Okay, I'm going to correct you. So, a loving Father corrects His children for their benefit and to prove that they indeed belong to Him. So, God may at times use unbelievers to bring correction to His people. And He gives us warnings before delivering judgment. So as Christians, we have His Word to guide us and warn us uh, when we go astray from the Lord's path. So like the prophets of old, His Word is trustworthy and always speaks true. So God's faithfulness to His people will never fail when we do it. So, so let me give you a point right here. God's Word, the Bible, okay? God wants... This, this book, or that we call book, is an encyclopedia of books, many books here, you know, 66 of them. But let me put it this way. The Word of God is given to God's children so God's children can read, not just read for read, but read to the point of making application of it. Amen. You're not just, oh, I read the Bible today. All right, what did you learn? Oh, I don't know. You see that? It's not like, oh, I read the Bible. What did you learn? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I forgot. What chapter did you read? Oh, I don't know. I mark it in my Bible. No, no. We, uh, God wants us to look at the Bible as a love book from Him. So when we read, we understand who's behind the words. Who's behind the words? God Almighty, the one who created me, the one who created everything, the one who sustains me. He's my Heavenly Father. So I read uh, His love letters to me. So it's personal to me. Your Bible is personal to you. That's why people write all kinds of things in their Bibles. You know what? I don't want to read your Bible. You read your own Bible. Because I don't want you to read my Bible because I do all kinds of things there. Some things are nice and personal. You know, if you, no, you can come to look at this Bible. This is just a preaching one, okay? I don't write things here. But I have my own personal Bible on which I write a lot of things on, okay? So, but and what, what I'm trying to say to you is so that the, the, the practical application of the book is that God hates sin, period. So, there are three uh, permanent themes presented in the book of 2 Kings. Number one, or the first one, the Lord will judge His people when they disobey and turn their backs on Him. When that's again in the book of 2 Kings, we're going to look at this. Secondly, 
the word of the true prophets of God always comes to pass. You know, the prophets of all, all the prophecies that spoken always came to pass. And let me tell you, there's a prophecy that didn't come to pass yet. You know which one is that? Jesus is coming again. Amen. That's in the Bible. And I don't care what the world says. When the time is right, He will show up on the scene to come get, and get His church. That's, right. that's, that's a prophecy written in the Bible. It's not fulfilled yet, but it will. So, number three, the Lord is faithful. He remembers His promise to David. And despite, and, and despite the disobedience of the people and the evil kings that Israel have, of course, I ruled them, the Lord did not bring David's family to an end. It keeps going. And one day, Jesus is going to sit in where? In the throne of David. For how long? 1,000 years. All right. So, that's thirdly. So, who's the author of the book of 2 Kings? Who wrote the book? Anybody? <laughs> Oh, okay, he's already there. <laughs> he's a year ahead of me. So, <laughs> so uh, the book of Second Kings does not have an author. The tradition tradition is that the prophet Jeremiah uh, did uh, uh, did wrote the, the book First Kings and Second Kings, but we don't know. It's just tradition says. Okay, uh, the date of the book. When was this book written? Uh, the book of Second Kings, uh, along with First Kings, was likely written between 560 uh, B.C. to 540 B.C., around those ages. Uh, you, if you, might, you might get a Bible, a Bible study. It says one date. You might buy another Bible study. It says another date. But very in, between, between those numbers right there. Okay? So the purpose of the book. What's the purpose of this book? It's to demonstrate the faith and that waits for all who refuse to make God their true leader. That's the purpose of this book. Okay? The key verses. What's the key verses? In the, if you look at the whole book, what is the most? The key verse in this, in this uh, uh, Second Kings is actually, we read those, those verses of Second Kings 17, 13 and 17, 14. Okay? The setting. Where's the setting of this book? Where was what the setting? So the one united nation of Israel has been divided into, in, in, into kingdoms, Israel and Judah, for over a century. Okay, we see the foreshadowing right here. Jesus used the story. Uh, we go say, what happened here? So Jesus used the story of the widow of Zarephath from First Kings and, and Naaman in Second Kings to illustrate the great truth of God's compassion towards those towards the Jewish people uh, who deemed who were deemed they were deemed unworthy of God's grace. So the poor, the weak, the oppressed, tax collectors, Samaritans, Gentiles. By setting the example of a poor widow and a leper right here, Jesus showed himself to be the great physician who heals the, and, and, and ministers to those in the great need of divine uh, sovereign grace. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate. You can stop me and we go through that. I can, if I know the answer, I will talk to you about it. Okay? So we have this book. We have key people in this book. Okay? One of them is Elijah. Elijah. The Shemanite woman, Naaman, Jezebel, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Josiah, and Nebuchadnezzar. This is the key people on this book, okay? So our journey through the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, that show us that we can divide the Old Testament into four equal parts, roughly about 500 years each, okay? 
So from 2000 to 1500 BC, Israel was led by the patriarchs, okay? There was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. That was the, the, the Jewish patriarchs, okay? From 1500 BC to 1000 BC, they were led by prophets like Moses and Samuel in uh, uh, many, many others. From 1000 BC to 500 BC, they were led by the princes or kings from Saul onwards. And from 500 BC and leading to the time of Jesus, they were led by priests from Joshua, priests who returned to, to, to Judah and from exile under Jerobabel, ruled uh, uh, to Caiaphas in the time of Jesus. So we see uh, different stages, different ages on which the children of Israel or the nation of Israel was established here. So I'm going to say, I'm not going to try to be too, too hard or too technical here today because this is an introduction to a book. So you see the nation in this book, you're going to see the nation is going to be divided in two parts right here. So the nation until this point, they've been together. They've been on the, uh, first was prophets, then it was judges, first was Moses, then it went to judges, from judges went to prophets, then went to kings. Then it's going to come a point that the nation is going to be divided, and it's going divide it, to divide itself, and all because of sin. That's what happens. Sin divides, isn't it? So we see the northern kingdom existed for just a little over 200 years from nine 30 B.C. to 722 B.C. And uh, all of its kings were evil kings. They were not good kings. The southern kingdom, Judah, existed much, a little much longer, for like 350 years. And most of, it, of its kings were bad kings, but there were some good kings in there, okay? So we're going to look at those guys as we go along, and I'm going to jump a couple things right here. And let's go to our point number one tonight. Uh, so I don't get too technical here, okay? So number one, we look at here, this is the defection of the northern kingdom. We see this from chapter 1 to chapter 10 of the book of 2 Kings. So from the opening of 2 Kings, uh, Haziah uh, rules uh, uh, in Israel, and Jerusalem rules in Judah. So it's two kings, okay? And each one's rule. So Jerusalem was a godly man. The other one was not a godly man. So they mark... Uh, Contrast between the two, of course, the two different kings right here. We see those chapters right here. And letter A, the new outline, that we see the, uh, the generate times of Israel. So now always, now, always remember that the appearance of a, a prophet on a land was marked by apostasy many times and rebellion by people. A lot of times, especially when the, the, the prophets would show up in Israel, it was because the nation was going away from God. And think about it. This is what happened in the land of Israel, okay? When the children of Israel went to Egypt, there was many gods in Egypt, okay? And they were exposed to those gods in Egypt. When Moses went to Egypt to get his people, that God says, go get my people, they went to the promised land, and God begins to teach them in the wilderness all the way until they got to the promised land. So there's a lot of little teaching in the wilderness, so Moses, of course, didn't make it to the promised land. Joshua led the children of Israel to the promised land. When they got there, guess what? There was many people there who worshipped false gods. They had some really wicked gods on which they worshipped. Some even the gods they had, they, they give their children as sacrifice, as burnt sacrifice to those gods. It was really bad. So they went to this land and God says, you do not mingle with that people. 
because they're going to contaminate you. It was always like you segregate yourself. Don't mingle with that people because if you do, that's what's going to happen to you. You know what happened? They did. You know what they did? They left the God of Israel and went and worshipped false gods. And this continued through the history of Israel. It's, it's in, the, in the book of Judges, that's the way they went. It happened this way. They, they fell into the ways of sin, all the ways of those false gods. And when they see the judgment of God, they will cry out to God. God will send a judge and purify the nation. And they will live good for a time. When the judge will die, they will go back to the same place again. And continue to do like a circle the whole time. So we see right here what happened is God will send a man, one of his men, to, to correct the people about his wrong. I said, what, do, what does God do today? Who God, God doesn't send prophets because the Bible is already written. But God sent people. He sends evangelists, pastors, missionaries to what? To warn the people. To tell the people there is a God that loves them and they need to get away from their ways of sin and follow God. But we say today, well, we live in a day and age that, you know, go to church. It's kind of boring. I just prefer to do this and do that because, uh, you know, really? I tell you what, I've been in church for almost 20-some years. I didn't get bored yet. <laughs> I didn't get bored yet, you know. So, so we see on this, this word right here, we see, number one, we see a time of political instability. So as we've seen, the two books of Kings deal with the nation of Israel in three ways. Uh, the United Kingdom, then we see the divided kingdom, then we see the surviving kingdom. Now it was to the northern kingdom that both Elijah, don't confuse those two, and Elijah ministered to. So Elijah was raised up during the reign of one of the most wicked kings in, in Israel, and his name was Ahab. And his wife was? Oh, I got some good students here. Jezebel and Ahab. Okay? So the biblical record says that Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. He was a wicked king. So wicked that God that was prophesied that dogs would lick his blood. Interesting. So, Ahab was one, was, uh, was one of the world's... Uh, 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 I mean, he was like a little teddy bear because uh, uh, the wife told him what to do. And, of course, she was, she was a lot wicker than him. So, we'll see right here. So, let's go to number two. It was a time of moral uncleanliness. So, you see, when Jezebel came to Israel, she didn't come alone. When this king Ahab married Jezebel, she didn't come alone. She brought her gods with her, and it was no long before... Baal worship was established in the land. So what happened here? Listen, I put it this way. It takes one person to change, to change everything. It, change, it takes one person. I mean, it, 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 my job happens all the time. You know, you have one supervisor and they move them away. They come another one and there's a total different scenario. Or is he is either good or is he the bad? And, you know, you have to put up with that. The same thing with the, thing, the word of God. See, this man marries this woman... And this woman is not a good person. She comes in the land. When she comes in the land, she brings her beliefs with her. And she imposes her beliefs on her husband. And not only on her husband, and the whole nation. So then you got the whole nation, of course, walking away from the Lord. I don't, I don't believe it. it was everyone there. I don't believe so. But it was, they were there. And of course, what we got there. 
Let me explain a little bit thing. Baal was the son of Al, who was uh, to give increase to family, flocks, crops, fertility rites, played a large part in Baal worship. Chambers that, uh, existed for male and female prostitutes. So the, that's what the beliefs about Baal and all this worship, and the children of Israel got involved on this nonsense. So the main Baal altar was, was, was uh, 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 there with the Asherah was another one, uh, uh, Paul carrying on of the God, uh, uh, goddess uh, and the name, of course, uh, they even, what they did here, they even have their children sacrifice to those gods. Well, how low can you go, I, I would say. So Baal worship included th- th- these things, prostitution, pornography, and all kinds of sexual sins. And this was the day on which Elijah, the prophet, lived. So it is not, it is not similar to our, our day today because uh, prostitution is around, right? Uh, pornography is all over the place. And now with the, our own phones, our own internet, privately, people are even doing worse. And people th- say it's okay because nobody's seeing. No, it's not okay because God's watching. Right. Number three, you see a time of religion's decay. You see, although Jeroboam did not go to the same extent of evil as his father and mother before him, yet of him we read, uh, that Second Kings 3, 3, it says, Nevertheless, he cleaved to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which made Israel to sin, he departed not therefom. So what we see, we, what we uh, do with these sins here, idolatry, and we see that religiously, because of the decay in the nation, that the people began to part away from God and went to the ways of the people of the land. Let me put it this way. You're a Christian here, okay? You're a Christian. If you're a Christian here tonight, let me, let me tell you this thing. Every day you live, you're going to rub shoulders with non-Christians. And believe it or not, they have different beliefs than what you do. They speak different. They behave different. Unless you want to behave like them, but if you want to love the Lord and, and obey the Lord and, 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 and try to be obedient to what He says in His Word and live for Him, you're going to see a difference between the way you live and the way non-Christians live. You know what? But if you allow, you know that, you know that those lost people on this world, they will influence you. They will influence you. And before you know, you go, you're doing the same thing that they're doing. Same thing right here. The children of Israel, what happened? They began to get influenced by the nations around him, them. And, of course, they had a king and a queen, which didn't help either. So, let it be. We see a definite testimony, a defined testimony, I'm sorry. For God never leaves himself without a witness, and so Elijah appears as Elijah's successor. Let me tell you this. In those days... God didn't say, well, do what you want because I don't care. No, God put his men there, and this man, Elijah, and Elijah before him, you know what they did? They proclaimed the word of the Lord. And now who have ears to hear, let him hear. You know, today is the same thing. We have preachers, we have missionaries, we have evangelists. They're proclaiming the word of the Lord. Why people don't hear? Because they don't want to. They say, ah, I don't believe this. Ah, I don't believe that. Ah, you know what, ah. You know what happens? They will die, and they will face God as a judge. Amen. You see, God never, is no age, is no generation on which God doesn't have his spokesmen and spokeswomen. 
God's put them out there. God put them, you know, you can be a spokesperson whenever you go for God. God can use you in the grocery store. God can use you in the bank. God can use you in the neighborhood. God can use you in a park, whatever you want. God can use you. And you become that spokesman for Him. Same thing here in the time of the prophets. You know what? Every generation, God have a spokesman. You know what? You, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we can hear. You know why? Because here's the thing. You were born, and the Bible says, it uh, was appointed unto man who wants to, 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 to live, right? It was appointed unto man who wants to die. I'm sorry, I, I forgot the verse. But anyway, you were born, you're here for a time, then life is over. So it is the fine testimony that God always brings his spokesman. Actually, Second uh, Kings 2.9 says, And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said to Elijah, Ask what I, sh- what, what I sh- shall do for thee, therefore, before I have taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. So these were two men of God, who God used in a tremendous way. So, Number one, out of, on the, that, that uh, point, on that B point, we see Elijah's ministry was distinctive. He was, he was in a sharp contrast to his predecessor here. God doesn't, does something new in each generation. That is why it is, not, it, is not, uh, it is not healthy for us to live in the past. Let's live in the present, looking towards the, the, uh, the future. Some people like to live looking in a review, review mirror all the time. You know what? It's good to remember the past. It's good. It's good memories in the past. But don't live in the past. Live in the present looking towards the future. You know, if I live in the present, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live for God and look into the future. I'm looking for His coming. You see that? So, so it's a very distinctive ministry right here. Elijah didn't keep looking at Elijah. He began to look at what God did in his life and as a spokesman for God at that age. Okay? So, Number two, Elijah's ministry was effective. You see, the Lord was, was in a still small voice there. They, uh, what did they, what did, what God, look how God used Elijah right here. Uh, he takes the mantle and divides the waters of the Jordan River. That's chapter 2, verse 14. He, he heals the waters, chapter 2, verse 22. And uh, he multiplies the widow's oil. That's a, a, a story that we're going to get into in chapter 4. He raises the dead, chapter 4, verse 35. He purifies a, a pot of stew, uh, chapter 4, verse 41. Feeds a hundred men, chapter 4, verse 44. In First Kings 19, 12, God was there with Elijah, who was ju- uh, justly called the man of God. And he was indeed a man of God because he loved the Lord. He heals a leopard. By telling him, go in the, in the Jordan River and bait seven times. And he didn't believe him. And he said, well, that's what you need to do if you want to get healed. And he did get healed. So his bones, believe it or not, brings a dead man to life. You see, that's the, the ministry of Elijah. And you say, oh, pastor, I can never do this. I'm not a prophet. Okay. Oh, so what can God do to me? I'm just a simple person. So where's Elijah? You know, if God wants to make miracles for you, you will. You are, we are vessels for the, for the master's use. And God can use us. What God can do for you or can do through you. You can be a fountain of encouragement to someone. Amen. That's God. You can be in the right place in the right time to encourage somebody. There's many things that we can do for the Lord. 
or the ways the Lord can use us. Many things. So, let's look at verse, uh, uh, point number two. We see the description of the two kingdoms. In these chapters tells the story of two kingdoms down to the fall of Samaria, the, Israel, the Israelite capital, capital. So, letter A, we see the, the diversity of the kings. Diversity of the kings, I'm sorry. So, the northern kingdom where there were 19 kings, and the southern kingdom, it was 19 kings and one queen. Okay? In the northern kingdom, there were kings like, uh, names like Jeroboam, Nabat, Bash, uh, many of them, Jeroboam, and, and I'm not going to say all these names, but there's a bunch of them, 19 of them. In the southern kingdom, there were kings like uh, Manasseh, Josiah, um, uh, Hezekiah, and many others. Uh, so we have a total, we, the, the Bible specifies these kings, and we have to be careful when we read the book of Second Kings, then you might be reading about the kings of, of Israel, and then suddenly you've been reading about the kings of Judah. So you have to be careful that you don't mix it. That's why Bible study is important, because we, we're reading, we're like, okay, which kingdom this guy belongs to? Uh, we have to understand what, what kingdom he's going to. He might be part of Judah, or he might be part of Israel. Because remember, the country is divided in two right here. So, Number one, consider their nature. As they said, the northern kingdom of Israel had 19 kings, and they were all bad kings. There were no good kings in, 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 the, southern, in the northern kingdom. So of the 19 kings, one uh, queen of the southern kingdom, most were bad, and some were good kings. Uh, many of them were good kings. So let it be, we see the ministry of the, of the prophets. For the ministry of many of the prophets fall within this period. It is... Vitally important to understand the place the Hebrew prophets occupied in the Old Testament, okay? And with the, uh, the uh, fitted in, in, in historical timetable here. So you see, the prophets spoke of their own generation and their message were uh, uh, relevant to the, the times that they live. Uh, so these men raised up uh, by the Lord also spoke to the, age, to, the age, to the age far beyond their own. So if you go to the Old Testament, there, was, there are prophecies that were prophesied for that time. Okay? They were prophesied for that time. And they came to pass. They said, I say it the Lord. And they came to pass. This is going to happen. I mean, uh, there was what happened, uh, the prophecy about uh, um, Ahab. It said that even the dog's going to lick your blood. And it happened. But also these men spoke about prophecies that would come many centuries later. They wrote about it. And some of them came to pass. They wrote about Jesus, the place of his birth. They wrote about Calvary and all these things. They wrote about it. Then came in the age, but also wrote about the future. You get the book of Daniel. There's another prophet that talks about the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord and all these things. These are prophecies that didn't come to pass yet, but they will be fulfilled. So many of those prophecies have been fulfilled by that. Because they already came to pass. Because Jesus already, was already born in Bethlehem of Judea. It was not just a coincidence that he was born there. It was written about it. Specifically by name. So we see the prophecies of these men. These are men that God used for a purpose. So let us see. We see the captivity of the, king, the, captivity of the kingdom. So for, for here from, in chapter 17. It is the fine indicament of the ten tribes. And they the deportation into Assyria from which they will, they would, uh, there would be no, no return. In these verses, the Holy Spirit explains to us Samaria fell as well. So it is interesting. 
Here's what happened here. The, ki- the king, the kings, and I'm sorry, the Israel get divided in two kingdoms. And they had a bunch of bad kings on one side, some bad kings on the other side. But ultimately, ten tribes went to, uh, to Assyria because of their sin. And the other two tribes went to Nebuchadnezzar came and took them out to Babylon. And uh, the nation of Israel just was left destitute there. Why? Because of sin. Well, sometimes when we say today, people say, oh, our God or my God's a good God, a loving God, will never do harm to anyone, never hurt anyone. We ne- must never forget something like this. God is a God of love. He loves us. Right. He's merciful. Definitely true. Exactly. But He's a God of justice. Right. He doesn't allow sin to go on unchecked for a long time. He brings things to pass purposely to correct those things. And if we don't open our eyes and repent, He's coming again, and He's coming in so we can repent. He did to the nation of Israel something that should open our eyes, and all that's what happened when you're living continually sinning against me. Let's go to point number three. You see the downfall of the southern kingdom. So this is what we're going to study in these, in these chapters at next, starting next week. So the downfall of the southern kingdom. So Judah's sin finally catch up with them. And uh, 135 years after Israel was carried to Assyria, Judah was carried to Babylon. Actually, uh, uh, a Bible commentary uh, guy named John Phillips divides these, these years in five periods. And number one, letter A, we see the revival period. Under Ezekiah, which is a king of Judah, uh, you see no king, uh, no king of Judah is more un- unreservedly commanded than, than good king, than Hezekiah. He was a good king. So he, he, what he does, he does a purification of the temple, the restoration of worship to the Lord, the observance of the Passover, the reformation uh, of the people. Now both Isaiah and Micah exercised their ministry during the reign of of Hezekiah. So, if you read the book of Isaiah, okay, and the book of Micah, then you're going to see that those two prophets, they, they prophesied during the time of Hezekiah. Okay? Uh, it's interesting to keep this in mind as you, as you go through the Bible and read, read the Bible yourself. So, Hezekiah had to face three enemies. He had to face the Assyrian invaders, uh, he had to face that, of course, and he had to face the Babylonian visitors. They came visit, and he made a mistake there. So, we're going to look into that. Let it be, we see the rebellion period. On the Manasseh and Ammon, you see, Hezekiah was, was placed between a bad father and an evil son. <laughs> That's what happened with Hezekiah. He had a bad father, not a good king, and he had an evil king and his son. And Hezekiah was a godly man. It's interesting. So, there was a period of rebellion. Taken to Babylon, Manasseh was put in prison. Actually, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 33, verse 12 says, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord as God and humbled himself greatly before God of his fathers. You know something? Here's a picture of this right here. We can picture that. Many times, like the children of Israel, they did what they want to do. They live in rebellion, did what they want. They only repent when God began to judge them. You know something people do today too? They live the way they want. They do what they want. And when things get really bad, oh, Lord, please forgive me. <laughs> you, know, you know what happened to our politicians when they got caught? Oh, please forgive me. I did, I've done wrong. We don't, you ask forgiveness because you got caught. 
That's why you ask forgiveness. Sometimes you wonder if it's really true forgiveness, you know, or just trying to go along with the flow. So we see, let us see, we see the reform period. So under Josiah, it was during this period that Naaman and Zephaniah, Jeremiah, and Habakkuk minister in this time. See, we see four different prophets in a, during the reign of Josiah. It was Josiah who embarked in a wide range of reformation. He cleaned the temple, then the city, and then the country, putting an end of every form of false and cruel worship. Then the temple was repaired, and the law of God was recovered, and the Passover was reinstituted during the time of King Josiah. Josiah was a godly life and minister had stayed the, the hand of judgment of uh, a few more years, but captivity was coming and nothing could prevent it because God says it will come. In latter day, we see uh, the, uh, what word is this, reputation, reputation period, whatever that word is. Oh, the reform period. I don't know what I have this in here. I don't know. The reform period. There you go. Let it be. Let it be. Yeah. Whatever that word says. <laughs> yeah. So soon follow uh, uh, King uh, uh, Josiah came, another king, of course. And uh, it is amazing. You know, you have a godly king that comes and tries to do, to reform everything, to get the people to worship the Lord, clean the land of all ungodliness, and the, 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 the people begin to worship the Lord, and here comes another king, and everything goes back to the way it was before. It's very sad. It's very sad that, you know, uh, some people never learn. You know, they, they, they go through this like a waves of the sea. Whatever it goes, goes. And it's the same truth as today as the truth back then. Uh, letter E, we see the removal period. In a removal period, arrived in Judah uh, and was taken into captivity. And keep in mind that the deportation takes place in three stages going to Babylon right here. The first stage took place in 605 B.C. in which the time the first group of captives were taken among whom was Daniel and his three friends. Remember Daniel, the prophet Daniel is taken to Babylon as a prisoner of war and his three friends. Uh, the second invasion took place in 597 B.C. when a much larger number of people were taken among uh, a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And the third and final invasion took place in 586 B.C. when the city was destroyed and the temple was, was totally leveled down and the land was left desolate. You see, that's why you say, we see like this. Why God allow these nations to overtake the nation of Israel like that? You want to know the answer? Sin. You know, today, when it happens some bad thing, the first thing people say, why God allowed this to happen? People say that all the time. Why God allowed this to happen? Or maybe God is allowing this to happen because people can wake up and look up. Because they're looking down, they're not looking up. That's what happens. God uses the bad that happens because we have to understand there is a evil in this world. There is evil. There is demonic activity which our naked eye cannot see. But we say like, why God allow this thing to happen? Well, you know, you, you go, this people goes in the ways of sin constantly. And when it happens, God says, well, look up because I'm here. No, instead, you know, we look at why it happened. We blame God for it. It's God's fault. 
We have something going on, it's God's fault. We lose a job, it's God's fault. We go hungry, it's God's fault. No, it's not God's fault. God uses this to, to, so you can look up. And the same thing right here. Why did He allow the children of Israel to literally to go to Babylon, three defense stages? Why? Why He allowed the king of Babylon to come and totally destroy the whole nation? You know why? Because they were worshipping what? Baal. Some of them were sacrificing their children to Baal and other gods. Can you imagine? Can, no, no. Think about this. This, this is a phenomenon. Can you imagine? You get your child, and you have this God that has his hands like that, and there's a burning furnace over there, and you go and you place your child in the hands of that, believing that you're going to appease this God. Who in the world will worship such a God? They did. And God said, I'm done with you. I'm going to move you out of the land. And he did. He moved them out of the land. I tell you what, but the good thing is this. Praise the Lord, he's a God of mercy. Because he judges doesn't mean that he's going to get angry at us forever. You know, he judges, but he also forgives. He's a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. That's who our God is. And we praise the Lord for that. Aren't you glad that the Lord forgives you? You know, you know, we say, if you can, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful just to forgive you of your sin. Amen. It's a wonderful hope and thought in our hearts when we fail, when we fall into something, we did some, some sin. And, you know, we go to the Lord, and the Lord forgives. And these people say like this, what? I, I had people ask me that, but Pastor, I asked the Lord to forgive me, right? Then the next day I'm doing the same thing, the same exact thing. I said, how's He going to forgive me? We'll ask forgiveness again. You say, oh, it's hard because I won't forgive somebody that did that to me two times. Then you go and you do it the third time. Then you do it the fourth time. Then you do it the fifth time. And you say, God will never forgive me. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. That's right. Every time you ask with a humble heart, He forgives you. That's how merciful God is. He's that forgiving God. But if it was me... Let's say you come and do something wrong to me. I say, yeah, okay, sister, okay, brother, I forgive you. And the next day you do exactly the same thing. Okay, brother, okay, so I forgive you. And you do it again the third time. I say, I'm going to say, what's wrong with you? I already forgive you twice. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm just a man. You know, that's, that's human speaking. We're not God, but God is like this. Here's what he does. Every time you ask, he forgives you. Isn't that good? I want to worship a God like that. He's not mad at me. He's not angry at me. Every time he asks it, he forgives me. You know what? And the children of Israel, they went away into captivity because of this sin and what they did. But you know what? Then we see Jesus coming on the scene. He opens his arms and he says, I forgive you. Actually, at the top of that cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's saying to the people that was crucifying him, they have no clue what they're doing to me. Can you imagine that? Now, we're going we're gonna to close this thing tonight. We see the removal period in here. So, uh, I'm going to conclude this. Here with the, I think this book is going to be a wonderful book. It just I kind of gave you an overview of the whole book. I, I probably even went so quick and so fast. You say, how in the world I'm going to keep all that in my, in my mind? You know how you're going to keep that in your mind? You come next Wednesday night. And he said, what are you going to do? We're going to start on chapter 1.
then we're going to dissect the whole chapter. Then they say, well, that was good. Then you come for the other Wednesday night when we do chapter 2. So we have another chapter on which we dissect. So we're going to go chapter by chapter in the book of Second Kings until the end. So we can learn all these lessons about all these things that happen. And I tell you, Second Kings is a great book. And you say, can I read it when I get home? Yeah, go right ahead. Read it four or five times. That would be good. You know, the more you read, the more you learn, right? So it's a good book to learn. So it is a very good book. So, so what we're going to do, a sick of introduction here. Let me ask you, is there any questions tonight? you have any questions at all tonight? No questions? All good? We all good. Okay. So we're going to see what the Lord's going to do through this people, the children of Israel right here in the book of Second Kings as we move to, to the book of First Kings. I tell you what.